Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is episode 110 of the podcast here on Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. We got a lot of facts to get to on this week's podcast because we are talking about college sports. Listen, y'all, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know my true love in sports has transitioned to soccer huh and i still love soccer but you know what i also love college sports college football to be a little specific and that's what we're talking about this week not what's going on on the field though what's going on off the field because teams are changing the conferences that they're in conference realignment and for the third year in a row this is our annual college conference realignment podcast we got to talk about it because there's some new news all this stuff's going on Wanted to make sure you all knew the facts because I didn't know all the facts and researching for this podcast, found out all the facts, and so I got all the facts on college conference realignment to give to you all this week on episode 110 of the podcast. We'll get to all that in just a second, but before we do, I just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 110, rate and review the podcast, and then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Zaders Facts. That is Zader with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts. That's what we call it around here, Zaders Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast about the newsletter, about Xander's Weekend Facts, which is our newsletter that comes out every Sunday morning. It's got a recap of the week's top headlines. If you haven't, check it out. Link is in this episode's description. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree, which is also linked to this episode's description for all the Xander's Facts links that you need. And also, if you've missed any of our recent podcasts, you should go do that, because if you're new to this podcast, we talk about something new every single week. We got new facts every single week. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Trump indictment because that was going on. We also had our little instant reactions for U.S. soccer for the men's national team when they played Mexico and Canada in the Nations League. They're playing in the Gold Cup, too, right now. We might have to do a couple of those for those games, but you should check those out as well. We talked about we had a whole soccer podcast basically talking about everything that was going on in soccer in Europe and the U.S., NBA Finals taxes we talk about a ton of stuff on this podcast so if you miss the podcast that has some good facts and they all do to be honest you should go check it out all of our previous 109 episodes are available wherever you get your podcast so let's get to this week's featured topic our only topic and that would be college conference realignment once again because we made it to yet another summer of college sports changes the reason why the word annual is in the name of this episode is because we've done this like every year we've had the podcast. Two years ago, we talked about Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, announcing they were going to the SEC. Last year, the Big 10 was like, well, we're not just going to sit back. So then we had another podcast where we talked about UCLA and USC. They announced they were leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big 10. And now this year, there hasn't been anything of that magnitude. Yet, it's only July 5th, but there's still lots of news that's making the rounds that you may want to hear about. We have got 
basically stuff in every conference to talk about. A lot of rumors surrounding some schools in the ACC. The Big 12 just added four new schools this month, as, you know, two others are entering their final year. And then the Pac-12 talk about their television deal, because that could determine whether the conference, like, even exists in just a few years' time. So, we are breaking down all the facts you need to know regarding collegiate athletic conference realignment news in the summer of 2023 this week. Let's get to it. Here we go! Let's just go conference by conference here. We'll just start out in the ACC, which I think is probably going to be the one where I have the most to say, because... There's been a lot of, not stuff that's actually happened, but a lot of rumors and reports and news that's happened in the ACC. I mean, the question that we should probably ask is, will the Atlantic Coast Conference remain a thing? Because the ACC, 70 years old, it's its 70th anniversary this year, founded in 1953, but right now it may be on its most unstable footing it's ever been, because... Reports came out back in May that threw a major wrench into the future of the conference. They kind of did, and then they kind of didn't. Well, let's talk about all of it, because the rumors have been swirling for years now. When is it going to be time for the powers of the ACC, the Clemsons, the Florida States, the big football powers, to finally decide that making less money in the ACC instead of being in the Big Ten or the SEC where you could make more money is no longer sustainable. Like, if we take a look at the actual dollar amounts right now, the disparities actually aren't too bad because if you take a look at the 2022 fiscal year, ACC schools made around $40 million in revenue that was distributed by the conference. So the conference, they have media rights deals, they get money from how teams do in NCAA tournaments or in the college football playoff, they get this whole group of money the conference does, and most of the conferences split it evenly between each of their schools. The ACC is a little different because Notre Dame's in the conference, but they're not in the conference for football, but in like every other sport except for hockey, they are. So Notre Dame gets less money. But the other schools get the same, about $40 million in revenue. The Big Ten gives its schools about $58 million. That's a lot more. The SEC gives their schools about $50 million. The Big 12 gives their schools about $42 million. And then the Pac-12, to round out the Power 5 conferences, lags at about $37 million. These are facts. So the ACC is behind the so-called big boys between the Big 10 and the SEC, but that gap is not getting any smaller. In fact, it's actually trending in the opposite direction. Because out of that pot of money that the conferences get, the most money comes from media rights deals. Deals that the conferences make with media companies like ESPN, CBS, Fox, and NBC to broadcast their games. A vast majority of that money comes from those companies, those networks. The ACC currently has an exclusive media rights deal with ESPN that they signed way back in 2016, seven years ago. At the time, that was seen as a pretty good deal because it finally gave the conference its own TV network. We got the ACC network. Back in 2016, the Big Ten had its own network. The SEC had its own network. I think the Pac-12 had its own network. The ACC didn't. And finally, because we didn't, or some of us, 
I guess, the people at the ACC didn't really think that streaming was going to be much of a thing and that people were just going to start cutting cable. So it seemed like a really good deal back in the day. Now, it's not. And it could potentially actually be what destroys the conference. Whoops. That deal with ESPN, signed back in 2016, lasts until 2036. That's 20-year deal. We've still got 13 more years to go. Oh, gosh. And in that deal, the media rights payouts that ESPN pays out to the ACC, they're not expected to dramatically increase throughout the duration of that deal, unless the conference can actually find a school to add to the league that would make ESPN pay more, which is, I mean... The schools that probably would make ESPN pay more are in the Big Ten or the SEC. And why would those schools go to the ACC where they're going to make less money? So that's kind of like borderline impossible. The one that could maybe make it happen would be if Notre Dame joined for football because Notre Dame's football home games are broadcast by NBC. So you know ESPN would love to take those from NBC. But Notre Dame probably doesn't want to do that. Even though... Through 2036, as a part of this deal, Notre Dame is contractually obligated to join the ACC if they join a conference in football, but they, what they've said, they don't really want to. They'd like to stay independent. They don't want to join the ACC in football. So that doesn't seem like a realistic possibility. So that's basically what the ACC is up to. If you take a look at the other conferences, specifically the Big Ten and the SEC, They were already making more money under their previous deals, but they're set to cash in even more because both of these conferences just signed new TV deals after 2016, way after 2016, like in in this decade. The Big Ten this year is about to begin a brand new media rights deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC, no ESPN, that is set to run through 2030 and is going to pay the conference about... A billion dollars per year. One billion with a B. That means that by the end of the decade, Big Ten schools could be getting almost $100 million each from the conference. You know, that includes other revenue like postseason performance bonuses that are given to the conference and then those are paid out equally. And also, like if you didn't know, the college football playoff is expanding from four teams to 12 in 2024. So... Those numbers are going to get bigger too, and for each conference, especially because you've got automatic spots for the top six conference champions, I believe, starting next year, 2024, so this is going to be the last four-team playoff we have coming up this fall, but that money kind of pales in comparison to the media rights deal, because listen, all the ACC schools can win all the championships they want, That's, you know, still money that goes to the conference, but when the Big Ten is getting paid a billion dollars per year in their media rights deal, they still have the upper hand financially because the media rights deal is the vast majority of money that the conference is distributing to its schools. Then you've got the SEC, who also has a long-term deal with ESPN that runs through 2034. They signed that. I believe back in 2013 or something like that. So they had a similar deal, and that was to start the SEC network. However, they didn't just have 
the ESPN deal. Like, the ACC only has the ESPN deal. The SEC had a deal with ESPN, and they had a deal with CBS. The CBS Game of the Week at 3.30 o'clock in the fall, every Saturday. You probably know about that, because it's each Saturday routinely the most watched window of the season. But that deal, after this coming season, is up. CBS was paying about $55 million for that package. They said, nah, we're going to have to pay a lot more, so we're not going to pay for that. So after this season, the SEC is leaving CBS. ESPN and the SEC, in back in 2020, signed a deal. So now, ESPN's going to take over that package, and those games are going to air on ABC starting next year, 2024. Good to know. So, as I said, CBS was paying about $55 million a year for that package. ESPN's going to pay about $300 million. So that's like almost five, six times as much. And that is on top of everything else SEC that ESPN already has. So that, along with the postseason performance bonuses, could also push the SEC to be handing out potentially well over $100 million annually to each of its soon-to-be 16 schools when Texas and Oklahoma join next summer. And these future $100 million per dollar, you know, these projections that I'm coming up with, they came from data-driven consulting firm Navigate. They came up with these revenue projections last year. They predicted that in 2029, so basically the end of the decade, the SEC is going to pay out projected $117 million annually to each of its schools. The Big Ten projected to give out about $101 million to each of its 16 schools, including UCLA and USC. Get that dough! Then, drastic drop-off to the rest of the Power Five. Navigate projects that the ACC, which by 2029 will still be under its current existing ESPN deal, will be handing out about $61 million annually to each of its schools. Pac-12 pay out about $62 million, and the Big 12 would hand out about $57 million. Of course, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are undergoing their own changes. They're going to be under new TV deals, which we'll talk about when we get to them in a minute. But when we talk about the ACC, you take a look at those numbers and you're like, oh crap. We're going to be getting $50 million, $50 million less than the Big 10 and the SEC. So the school presidents and the athletic directors, they see that gap. It's only growing wider. They have, it's in chart form, and you can see the gap increasing as the years go on. And so they're going to look at ways to try and close it. Now, obviously, the best way would be to join one of those two conferences. But there's a lot more that just goes into it, because Clemson just can't go to the SEC and say, hey, we want an invite, or I don't even think they can do that. That might be bad or illegal or breaking a contract or something. Or the SEC just can't go to Clemson and say, hey, we want you. Clemson will just say, okay. It's a little more complicated than that because there is contracts, documents, all that stuff. One specific document, though, is called the Grant of Rights. When the ACC signed that deal with the SPN, each of the 15 schools in the conference signed this document called a grant of rights. Now, just a couple years before this, 
we were going through another realignment period in college athletics. Story time now. Story time! Because back in the day, this was about 10 years ago, the ACC itself had been poached by the Big Ten. The Big Ten grabbed Maryland, who was a charter member of the ACC. They founded the conference back in 1953. Big Ten took them. Big Ten also took Rutgers from the Big East. The SEC grabbed Texas A&M and Missouri from the Big 12. The Big Ten also got Nebraska from the Big 12. Colorado went to the Pac-12 and Utah, I believe. So there was a lot going on. Pac-12 used to be the Pac-10. They expanded the Big 12. I don't remember the last time it was 12 teams. It's 10 right now, and obviously they can't change their name because if they change it to Big 10, there's another conference named the Big 10, which is 14 schools, but either it's confusing, but whatever. So the ACC loses Maryland. So then they grab Pittsburgh and Syracuse from the Big East. They also bring in Louisville, and they bring in Notre Dame, all their sports except for football and ice hockey. And so in 2013, the schools that were in there initially signed this new grant of rights agreement, and that was extended through 2036 when the league signed the new TV deal with ESPN in 2016. The document, I believe, the first original copy of it, so there's not 15 teams, there's like 12 or 13 or so because a couple of those teams hadn't joined the conference yet, but the original document is floating around on the internet somewhere, I believe. It's only about four pages of text followed by the places for each of the schools to sign. But what it does is it basically ties each of the schools to the conference through the end of the media rights deal, essentially. It doesn't exactly say that. It doesn't, like, it say, you must stay. But what it does is it gives the conference, so the schools basically signed away their broadcast rights to all their home games, to the conference. So... Let's say for North Carolina, all the games that North Carolina hosts, they're the home team, the ACC controls, because North Carolina signed those rights away in the grants of rights. So basically, even if a school in the ACC was going to pay the conference a massive exit fee to leave and join a different conference, its broadcast rights would still be held by the ACC. So if Clemson left and went to the SEC, the SEC wouldn't have the power to broadcast Clemson's games. They'd be, they'd be a part of the ACC. This is true. So that's why, as long as the grant of rights stays in place, these schools aren't leaving because the conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten are like, well, we can't even control your games. Like, we're not, we're not going to bring you in. Like, it made a lot more sense, this deal did, when there was more financial parity between the conferences in 2013. Now, you're just like, seriously, they signed themselves to this? Kind of like their death sentence. But the Grant of Rights Agreement is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Bind the schools to the conference until their media rights deal expires, which is in 2036. But that doesn't mean that some schools are looking at ways to potentially break the agreement without giving the ACC their broadcast rights for the next 13 years. The big-time rumors, there's been rumors that have been going on for years. How are these schools going to break out? Especially, it started in 2021 in the summer when Oklahoma and Texas said they're leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. UCLA and USC the next year said they're going to the Big 10. And so then started the rumors of, 
well, what are these schools in like the Pac-12 or the ACC going to do? Because they're making a lot less money. But on May 15th, so two months ago, Ross Dellinger wrote an article for Sports Illustrated. It was talking about the next wave of conference realignment. Basically, he talked about each of the Power Five leagues, but his notes on the ACC brought the most attention because he wrote, quote, A subset of seven schools in the 14-member conference has coalesced over what many of them describe as an untenable situation. Officials from the seven schools, led by Florida State and Clemson, have met a handful of times over the past several months, with their lawyers examining the grants of rights to determine just how unbreakable it is, unquote. So then, college football Twitter, as they're known to do, took the rest of the morning to guess who the remaining five schools were besides Clemson and Florida State. And we found out the answer in the afternoon when one of the top college football reporters for Action Network, Brett McMurphy, he tweeted that the Magnificent Seven, his words, I don't know if I like that, were Clemson, Florida State, and then Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. So those seven schools are apparently the ones who have been looking at this grant of rights agreement, their lawyers have, and are kind of like, um, so how legally binding is this thing? And this was the same week that representatives from each school were meeting at the conference's spring meetings in Florida. So that was kind of like, oh, well, this has got a perfect timing. So now they could talk about it at the spring meetings and, you know, something may happen. And the next day... There was an interview with the Richmond Times-Dispatch that was published. Virginia Tech Athletic Director Whit Babcock was interviewed. He confirmed that the discussions had been taking place. According to the article, he noted that, quote, The conversations weren't as organized as many interpreted Monday, and that several included subsets of the seven. Topics included not only the grants of rights, but also ACC bylaws to ascertain what is required to change the revenue-sharing formula, at least 10 of 15 presidents must approve, unquote. So, the revenue-sharing formula, basically what I described earlier, the conference has this big sum of money, and they pay it out evenly to each school. But in those spring meetings in Florida, the ACC changed that. So they adopted this new revenue-sharing model, where instead of dividing the money the conference gets equally among the 15 members, or 14 and then Notre Dame, as was done previously, and this is what the other Power 5 conferences do, the league in 2024 is going to begin what they call a, quote, success incentive initiative, unquote. Full details haven't been announced yet, but the ACC's board of directors said that the league is going to distribute additional payouts to schools based on their team's performances in revenue-generating postseason play. So, if Clemson wins the college football playoff, they're going to get more money because they won the college football playoff. Normally, the money that the conference gets because Clemson won or made the college football playoff just gets put into the pot and distributed evenly. But now, the conference is going to give Clemson more money because their team did better. And they'll do that for other sports, too. Fact nugget! And then, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips said that each of the league's members were committed to each other, quote-unquote, emphatically. I don't know about that. But what they tried to portray after the meetings were that we're all united behind this new revenue-sharing agreement. We all love the ACC. But the issue is, that was obviously done as a way to 
basically calm those who have been most vocal of their displeasure at the revenue gap between the conference and the Big Ten and the SEC. Most notably, those schools have been Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and Carolina. Those schools have been the ones who have been most vocal of their displeasures. You know, it's likely going to give those schools who are successful on the field a few extra million dollars per year, but it's still not going to get them close, really, to the payouts that the likes of Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin are going to get in the Big Ten, or the money that Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, and others are going to get in the SEC. Like, if you're Clemson and Florida State, you're like, how is Northwestern and Vanderbilt making tens of millions of dollars more than us? And that's still going to happen under this new model. And then what you've also got are the schools at the bottom of the ACC. I don't want to call anybody out, but schools that don't win a lot who are going to get less money because of this. And, you know, probably a bunch of those schools are just happy they're in the ACC because if they weren't, they, who knows what conference they'd be in. But some of them might get a little ticked off and like, Really? Why are they making more money than us? Because, you know, you could say it's performance incentive, and obviously that's the case, but in the SEC, in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, in the Big 12, everybody gets the same. So, they did something, make no mistake about it, but these schools are still going to be looking at the ways to break that grant of rights agreement if they can. Obviously, it was signed 10 years ago, and they haven't found it out, so it's probably pretty unlikely that they're going to. Of course, you know, there's also the fact that if there are a majority of schools, at least 8 out of the 15 or a higher number, maybe 10, that get invites from other conferences and decide to exit the league at the same time, that could potentially just dissolve the conference and it would be no more. And so the grants of rights and other agreements would be effectively null. But all of that is still up to interpretation at the moment as well. And then you'd have to have at least eight schools wanting to leave. And they're not going to want to leave unless they know where they're going. And they don't want to go to the American or the MAC or the Conference USA or Sunbelt. They want to go to the Big Ten or the SEC, maybe the Big 12. So it's a very sticky situation for those in the ACC who are seeing their counterparts, as I said, in other conferences, zoom past them monetarily, which could mean that potentially in the future, they're zooming past them competitively. If that's not happening already, it may, it may already be. Because there was no ACC school in the college football playoff last year. But there was an ACC school in each Final Four in basketball. Miami carrying down the men's and Our Lady Hokies on the women's. Oh my gosh. And they'll get back there next year. Mark my words. If you say so. So, that's the ACC. If we go down the line, we got the Big 12. The Big 12 used to have 10 members, as I said. Now it has 14. Because the ACC is only talking about change. The Big 12 is actively engaged in change. They just added four new members on Saturday, July 1st. Their total's up to 14 now. They grabbed Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida, UCF, from the American Athletic Conference. They also brought in BYU, who was independent in football, and they were in the West Coast Conference, the WCC, in all their other sports. But it's only going to be 14 schools for this one year, because obviously Texas and Oklahoma are leaving 
to the SEC. That's why these schools were brought in, kind of like replacements. They're leaving next summer. Ultimately, when they first announced, they announced they were leaving in 2025. They negotiated with the Big 12, and so they're getting out a year early, 2024, next year. Then, the Big 12 will be back to its rightful size of 12 schools. It'll finally be the actual Big 12. But... That may not stay that way for very long, because Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark, who basically engineered the addition of the four schools who just joined, has been very busy searching for other potential league members, and he hasn't kept it a secret publicly either, or at least hasn't denied it. The league reportedly, they've been talking with a couple basketball powers, UConn from the Big East, they obviously just won the national championship a couple months ago, and Gonzaga from the West Coast Conference, the WCC, a big basketball power, about joining the conference. Who knows if those are just for basketball or if they're for all sports? Could you imagine UConn football in the Big 12? But the Big 12 is already the best basketball conference of the country. You had the previous, before UConn won, the national championship. You had Baylor and Kansas who had just won back-to-back national championships. So they had the last two national champions in there. They've got teams, well, Texas for another year, but TCU, Kansas State, Texas Tech, like they've got a lot of really good basketball schools. It is the best basketball conference in the country right now. It has been for the last few years. So if you added UConn and Gonzaga to that, It'd, it'd pretty much be undisputed. Take me out, coach. Oh, we ain't gonna talk about this. Take me out. It's ta- my turn. Unk. But you've also got the fact that if another Power Five conference decides to implode, the Big 12 may be seeking to capitalize on the misfortunes of potentially the Pac 12. We'll talk more about the Pac 12 in a second, or at least the schools that are remaining. The Pac 10, I guess it'll be UCLA and USC. But they may find more benefits in the Big 12. Benefits, a.k.a. money. And then, of course, if the ACC does end up falling apart, could some schools find homes in the Big 12 if they don't get invites to the SEC or the Big 10? That could be. The Big 12 could basically be all right. We're the third conference behind the SEC and the Big 10. And that's good because at least we're stable. And that's why the Big 12 is in this position right now, to take from other conferences, because of their stability. Like, back two years ago, when they lost Oklahoma and Texas, it looked like the Big 12 was done. They were in shambles. It was over. They were calling the remaining schools in the Big 12 the hateful eight. But now, they just got these four new schools, and they signed new extensions to their television deals with ESPN and Fox, They signed them last year that they're going to run through 2031, and they're going to pay the conference about $380 million per year. That's not Big Ten or SEC money, but, you know, along with the payouts from postseason performances, that could boost payouts to each school above $50 million or so in the next few years. And this deal still runs out five years before the ACC's does, which is just... You just look at that and you're just like, seriously, good grief, what an awful deal. Which was signed by previous leadership, previous commissioner. That's the reason, though, the Big 12 stability and their TV deal, that's the reason as to why the Big 12 could be the one that's snatching schools away from the Pac-12. Like, if you don't know, like here I got a story for you if you don't know about this. Back in around 2010 or so, Texas 
was actually prepared to go not to the SEC, to the Pac-12. Did you know that? And they were going to bring Oklahoma and do all that stuff. That ended up falling apart because Texas wanted more money per year than all the other schools, and the Pac-12 didn't agree to that. But, like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, imagine if that happened. We'd be, be totally different today. But it didn't happen, and now instead of the Pacific 12 conference, Texas is going to the Southeastern Conference. So there was a time when the Pac-12 was trying to snatch schools away from the Big 12. Now might be the opposite, because the Pac-12, just like the Big 12, has a television deal that's expiring. Their deal is set to end in 2024. Next year, like after this current academic year, which is one year before the Big 12s was originally set to expire, but the Big 12 got aggressive and they beat the Pac-12 to the punch, so they got its television deal extended early with ESPN and Fox, and so they got the money from ESPN and Fox, and now those networks may not have as much money for the Pac-12, because as I said, these two conferences were basically in the same boat. They were both about to lose their two flagship schools to other conferences. Both of them were basically on life support. But the Big 12, they've basically done everything they can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Pac-12's been a little more hesitant, though, and it hasn't turned out well for them so far. They still haven't signed their new media rights deal, despite the fact that it does end in less than a year. And... Conference administrators that keep saying publicly that things are fine. Reporting, though, says that the conference doesn't have many options. They had an exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Fox. Those are their current broadcasting partners. That came and went without a deal. And since the Big Ten, which is a Fox property, was the conference that snatched up UCLA and USC, probably you would expect Fox is probably not going to be an option. Of course, you know, the SEC, which is an ESPN property, they were the ones that took Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12, but ESPN is still going to be the primary partner for the Big 12, so I guess it still could happen. But the reports say Fox isn't really interested in the Pac-12. Reporting has said, though, that ESPN is still negotiating with the conference, but that the Pac-12 is likely not getting the numbers that they want, because ESPN, I don't know if you've heard, they're kind of in cost-cutting mode right now, though. They've been laying off hundreds of employees over the last few months. It's because their parent company, Disney, I believe, has mandated like 7,000 jobs need to be cut. And ESPN's a part of Disney. And last week, we heard about several people who were on air who lost their jobs. People like Jeff Van Gundy, who did NBA games, Keyshawn Johnson, Steve Young, and a bunch of others who you see on TV all the time. They were let go by ESPN. So they're not exactly in the mood to like spend a lot of money all over the place right now. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to pay for the NBA because the NBA's television deal is coming up in a couple years. They're going to pay for the NBA deal or for like Pat McAfee. They just got Pat McAfee to do a show in the afternoons. They're still going to pay him a lot of money. But for other stuff that they might not see as important, like the Pac-12, they might be a bit more hesitant to sign deals like that. So besides ESPN, you've got Amazon that's been mentioned as a possibility, along with 
lower tier networks like uh, Ion, the CW, stuff you usually don't watch, but if you scroll through the guide, it's there. Because the other networks like CBS and NBC and Turner and them, they are not really interested either. So, like, the Pac-12 doesn't have a lot of options. They could go to Amazon, potentially, or Apple, but then their games would be streaming. And they might not want to do that in 2023. But we'll probably find out where they go in the next few weeks. They're expecting a deal to get announced. Of course, we've been expecting that for a while now, and it hasn't happened. So we'll see. But if the payouts for each school are projected to be lower than the Big 12s, that could be that's worst case scenario for the conference because the Athletic has already reported that the Big 12, they've talked with at least six Pac-12 schools Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. So the Big 12, they're like, listen, if this television deal for you doesn't work out, we're right here. And then you've also, I mean, you've got to think the closest Big 10 school to Los Angeles is Nebraska, I believe. So the Big 10, they might want to get some other schools out west too, potentially. So that's a factor. And all the recent rumors have surrounded Colorado, especially the Big 12. Colorado actually left the Big 12 back in 2011. They could come back. They were like, oh, we made a mistake. We should have not left. And obviously, they hired Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, as their new head football coach. So there's a lot of people talking about Colorado right now. But as I said, those inside the Pac-12 have been saying nothing but good things. They think they're going to get similar amounts of money to the Big 12. Some say they're going to get more than the Big 12. But this was noted, I read it, a recent article from The Athletic, this quote, Even a year into this thing, it's impossible to tell whether that's informed speculation or blind optimism, unquote. So we really don't know until they come out with this deal. And if they come out with this deal and ESPN and Amazon and them, they give the Pac-12 a lot of money, then they'll be okay. But if they don't and they make less money than the Big 12, then Pac-12's in big trouble. Spitting the truth. There's also the fact that it's only 10 teams, at least beginning in 2024, for now, because there's actually been some interesting news recently regarding a potential school that the Pac-12 could bring in to replace UCLA and USC, if the league can stay intact, of course. That would be San Diego State. Now, San Diego State, SDSU, Seems like a pretty great replacement on paper. Of course, it's, you know, UCLA and USC are prime college football brands. It's not one of those college athletics premier brands, but it does, you know, you still have the Southern California market. They're playing in this brand new stadium in San Diego that's also going to host San Diego's new MLS team, by the way which is going to be the 30th MLS team. Oh, yay. But the Aztecs of San Diego State, they kind of, on June 13th, they kind of made a bit of an upsie when they sent a letter to the conference that they currently reside in, the Mountain West, informing the conference that they intended to resign starting July 1st, 2024. But here's the thing. They haven't formally gotten an invitation from the Pac-12. Now, they sent the letter because 
June 30th was the deadline for the school to give the conference notice that they were intending to leave in the summer of 2024 unless they wanted to pay a larger exit fee. So if they had told the conference they were going to leave in 2024 after June 30th, they would have had to pay an exit fee of $34 million because they said they notified them before that was only $17 million. Now, they obviously hoped that they would have had an invitation for the Pac-12 by then, but that's probably not going to happen until the media rights deal for the Pac-12 gets concluded. So they have to wait for that. So what the letter actually asked for was for a one-month extension before giving its official notice to the conference. But apparently the conference has been like, uh-uh, we are taking this letter as a formal withdrawal from the conference, especially because San Diego State actually sent the letter to all of the presidents, the university presidents in the league, which the Mountain West was like, all right, well, you're resigning. Goodbye. You know, they were like, we're not giving you another month. They basically accepted the letter of withdrawal. San Diego State then responded that the original letter was not an official withdrawal. We were just asking about this stuff. Can we get an extension? Conference was like, no. You're not getting an extension. Now, the Mountain West Conference apparently has already started the process of withdrawal. They've removed San Diego State's president from the league's board of visitors. They're withholding a $6 million payment from the conference to put toward the exit fee. Now, you remember that the Aztecs actually, they earned the conference like $10 million back in April when they advanced to the national championship game in the men's basketball tournament. So, you know, that's money that San Diego State got to the conference that the Mountain West is withholding. And then on June 30th, San Diego State told the conference that, oh wait, no, we changed our minds. We're not going to withdraw from the league. That means that the Aztecs would likely have to stay in the Mountain West through at least 2025, unless... The school wants to pay $34 million to leave next summer. We don't know yet if the conference has accepted the notice, so obviously that's going to be something to watch out for in the coming weeks as well. This is actually, if you dig down in the archives though, this is not the first time that San Diego State has tried to leave the Mountain West before. Here comes a fact! Because back in 2011, you remember all that conference realignment that I talked about earlier that was going on then? The Big East was still sponsoring football, and they were kind of grasping at straws just trying to get somebody before they basically dropped football entirely, like a couple years later. The conference invited San Diego State, actually, and the school announced it would join San Diego State in the Big East. And we think UCLA and USC to the Big Ten is crazy. Of course, that never happened. And then two years later, the conference presidents voted to let San Diego State back into the league. So we'll see what happens here, because if the Pac-12 stays intact, they're probably going to invite San Diego State. Now, are they going to come in 2024 or 2025? That's a question. Or is the Mountain West just going to kick them out and say, you know what, 2024, you're out of here. We don't want you anymore. I guess, I mean, they just got to the national championship game in basketball. Like, I don't know why you'd want to, but okay, be petty. Quit your whining. So that's kind of a breakdown of what's going on with the Power 5 conferences. But in total, Saturday, 
back last Saturday, July 1st, was actually a big day around FBS and conference realignment. Because in total, there were 14 schools that found new homes on Saturday, including the four that went to the Big 12. Like, and this all comes from the dominoes that Oklahoma and Texas set off two years ago. They've been pretty far-reaching, because we're talking about several group of five leagues that made changes to their membership last week. Now, because the SEC grabbed Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12, the Big 12, as I said, they took BYU from Independence and Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF from the American. Now, the American originally sent invites to four schools in the Mountain West, Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State, and San Diego State. They're all declined because that's pretty far away. Of course, UCLA and USC don't care. So the American turned its attention from the Mountain West to Conference USA. So they're adding six new schools, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. They have all left Conference USA for the American as the conference's newest members. And some of these are interesting because Charlotte only restarted their football program in 2013, and they went just 3-9 and nine last year. Florida Atlantic, they're coached by former Texas coach Tom Herman. He actually won the conference championship in this league in the American back in 2015 when he was coaching Houston. And you've also got UAB. UAB has been a major success story. They shut down their football program for two years back from 2016 to 2018. And Trent Dilfer, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, is their new coach. And then you've got UTSA. They just won their second straight Conference USA title last year. Their program wasn't started until 2011. Too many facts. So those six schools are coming from Conference USA to the American. And so now you've got Conference USA, who was like, well, what are we going to do? So now they're adding Jacksonville State, Liberty, New Mexico State, and Sam Houston. They are all taking leaps up to the Group of Five level. Liberty and New Mexico State, they were previously independents. Jacksonville State was in the Atlantic Sun Conference at the FCS level, and Sam Houston was in the WAC. They actually won the FCS National Championship back in 2021 when they were in the Southland Conference. Then they were in the WAC. Now they're going to Conference USA. And next year, Kennesaw State is also expected to leave the Atlantic Sun and join Conference USA. And of course, last year, we had movement in the Group of Five, too. The Sunbelt Conference, which is, I think, the only remaining Group of Five conference we haven't talked about, besides the MAC, which hasn't done anything. The Sunbelt, last year, added James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. And they dropped Little Rock and UT Arlington, who didn't play football there anyway. So, all those changes, I hope you got them, I hope you wrote them all down, because that's a lot. Lots of changes have been happening in the world of college athletics. Which, by the way, college football season starts in 51 days, if you're keeping track because you're a sicko. So for now, that's the latest as we go through yet another summer of conference realignment in college athletics. This is our annual college conference realignment podcast. Of course, college sports is dealing with a ton of things that are kind of upending it at the moment. Conference realignment's just one of them. You've got NIL, name, image, and likeness, which we should probably talk about in a future episode of this podcast because we haven't really talked about it before. But that's obviously the other major one, along with the transfer portal, 
which in the last few years have given a lot of power to the players because college athletes finally have the right to capitalize on their own name monetarily and be able to leave their schools if it doesn't quite work out, you know, like coaches can do because it never made sense why they couldn't or why they had to wait out a year because they aren't under contract. Like the NCAA was just being stupid. And so, you know, these basically affect all sports in college. The driver is absolutely college football because that is the biggest moneymaker by far. Realignment, a lot of it is being based on college football and media markets and money and all that stuff. But that's actually led some to think that college football should even break apart from the NCAA and be controlled by its own governing body entirely, like the college football playoff which is already a thing, so, like, it kind of makes too much sense. But even, you know, all the issues the NCAA has, like, can we just get away from them entirely? Like, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad thing. But we'll definitely talk more about this on a upcoming episode of our podcast, coming at the end of August, our college football season preview podcast, if you're getting hype. Nice! Just wait, because I got all the facts you'll need to know before the college football season starts coming up next month when we do our college football season preview podcast. Love doing that every single year because it is certainly a transformative period in college football, in college athletics, as we're witnessing for another summer, the third consecutive summer, really, where we're talking about all this realignment and these big changes happening to college sports, which is really being driven by college football. So that's basically all the facts I've got for college sports conference realignment. And those are all the facts I have for episode 110 of the podcast. Y'all, thank you all so much for listening. And remember that if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 110, rate and review the podcast, and then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it around here. Spread the facts. Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. Check out Xander's Facts on YouTube, too, because all our new episodes get posted on our YouTube channel, including this one. Go check it out. Subscribe, whatever. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. That's episode 110. Coming up next week, we got more facts. Episode 111. Like I said earlier, we have got new facts every single week. It's a new topic every week. So you're going to want to tune in for some new facts next week. Episode 111. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 110 of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see y'all with episode 111 next week. I just busted right inside him, and he can't extend on me anymore, and he seems a little overwhelmed by my girth and tonnage.